Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host Keith Fishcorn from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And what we're going to hear now is Spook House, read by Nikki Henson. And without further ado, here it is. Spook House. Spook House. the spook house after school, Christopher Etheridge told the class just before Miss Mason arrived for the next lesson. Who's got a bottle to come with me? There was a buzz of talk. All that morning the school had been whispering about the old house believed to be haunted, which stood in a large overgrown garden in Richardson Avenue. Here comes Minnie, cried the lookout at the door. When Miss Mason entered, she was delighted to find that everyone had their eyes intent on their geography textbooks. During earlier lessons, she had sensed an air of excitement among the pupils, which happens in schools from time to time, an excitement which puzzles the teaching staff and remains a mystery to adults. While the lesson droned on through the heat of the summer afternoon, Christopher congratulated himself on being the cause of today's excitement. It was he who had brought the story of the spook house to school, and it had spread so fast that at morning break someone actually asked him in the locker room if he'd heard about the ghostly goings-on in that old Hillsdale place. When the lesson was over, and everyone was banging their seats as they got ready to go home, several members of the class crowded round him. Chris, are you really going into that house? asked Dawn Sheehan breathlessly. I wouldn't dare. What's supposed to haunt it? asked her friend Mavis Tucker. A murder victim, said Christopher in a low voice. A lady was murdered there, and her ghost comes out at night all white and gleaming and thirsting for revenge. And they say that in the kitchen where she was stabbed with a carving knife, there's a pool of blood that won't dry. Some of the children shivered delightedly at the thought. It was as good as a horror film on the telly. And what else? asked Mavis. You want more? Isn't that enough? Christopher asked. Well, they do say that the murderer hid her body down in the cellar in a sort of grave, and people only found out what happened when a bony hand came up out of the ground. What a load of old rubbish, came a cheerful voice. Christopher turned to see a tall boy with glasses. His name was Jeff Dixon, and he'd never been one of Christopher's friends. Where'd you get all this spook stuff from? If you must know, said Christopher with dignity, I heard it from my brother, who was a reporter on the Herald. Then why isn't it written up in the Herald? demanded Jeff. I'll tell you why. Because there aren't such things as ghosts, any more than there's Santa Claus. My brother told me that the editor said the story was too frightening to print. It would be unfair to people living close by. They'd be so scared, they want to leave their homes. Struth, said someone in an awed voice. Nah, it's rubbish. OK, OK, if you're so sure, you wouldn't be scared to go into the house. You'd come with us this afternoon, right? Right. Who else is coming? We'll watch you go in, said Dawn. Christopher led the way to the school gate, a small group of children following. On the way to Richardson Avenue, Jeff talked to the others about the Spurs v Chelsea midweek match the night before. Christopher remained silent and prayed that the house would at least look scary so they would not laugh at him. Richardson Avenue was a long, quiet road which gently sloped up a small hill. There was not a single soul in sight, and Christopher was quick to point out that the silence was uncanny. Jeff snorted. At last the children halted where a cluster of estate agents for sale signs swayed above an overgrown hedge and a corroded nameplate on the front gate told them that they had reached Hillsdale. See, cried Christopher triumphantly, those signs have been there for months. There's moss on some of them and that proves that no one wants to buy a haunted house. Here we go, Jeff shouted. You'll see it's just an ordinary empty house. Do you think we ought to, Dawn asked. Wouldn't it be breaking and entering or something? 
Nobody will see us with all these trees and bushes growing in the garden, said Christopher. Unbelievable. The gate let out an awe-inspiring screech as he opened it, which he's made going, Mavis give a little scream. Hush, he said. We don't want to disturb anything. To his relief, there was something eerie about the silent house and its wilderness of a garden. Brambles clutched at the children's legs as they followed a path leading to the back, and rose bushes which should have been pruned ages ago scratched their arms. Their voices dropped to whispers as they were afraid to break the hot silence which hung over the house. This is what it's like wearing regular shoes. No all-around support. And this is what it's like in Skechers' new arch-fit footwear. It's all the comfort and support you need. Refill, snacks, Everyone jumped when Jeff said in his normal voice, Show us how to get in, Chris. Just a minute, he answered, trying the back door, which he found to be locked. Looks like we can't get in, said the boy, thankfully. Even on the outside, the house was very gloomy. Its windows were dirty, and the drawn curtains gave them a blind look. Mavis looked over the knee-high grass that was once a lawn. Must be a long time since anyone lived here, she murmured. When did the murder take place? At the word murder, the children felt their skin creep. Here, called Christopher. This little window isn't shut properly. Bring that old bin over and I'll climb through. House is real Aren't old. you afraid that a skeleton hand Bride will grab you as you climb in? Teased Jeff, but even he kept his voice down. Christopher turned the bin upside down and climbed onto it, opened the window, and wriggled through. Gosh, he's brave, said Dawn. A moment later, the back door opened. Christopher appeared, grinning. I only needed to slide back the bolt. Who's coming in? Slowly the children walked through the doorway to find themselves in a large kitchen. Is this where the lady was killed? Someone asked. So my brother told me, Christopher replied. Look, Mavis whispered, there's the pool of blood. They stared in horror at the dark patch on the lino at the far end of the room. I'm getting out of here, someone said. But Jeff stepped forward and to everyone's amazement bent down and actually touched the crimson stain. Yeah, that's not blood, he said scornfully. Someone spilled a tin of paint there a long time ago. Come on, I'm going to explore. He strode into a dim hall. Stained glass set above the front door threw rays of somber light onto the bare floor, a pattern of purple and red and a nasty shade of green. As the children followed him, floorboards creaked. For a minute no one spoke, and then Jeff opened a door, behind which steps led down to the cellar. That's where the body was buried, explained Christopher in a hushed voice. Hello, hello, any spooks down there? Jeff shouted so loud that everyone nearly jumped out of their skins. Several children began to giggle. See, said Jeff, nothing to be scared of. It's easy to show off while it's daylight, but not after nightfall, Christopher retorted. When the sun has set, the phantom returns for her revenge. Jeff made a rude noise. You wouldn't dare come here at night, said Christopher. But I would, declared Jeff. How much? Five quid. Everyone gasped. You haven't got five pounds. Yes, I have. Saved it up from my paper round. Have you got a fiver? Course. Left over from my birthday. Okay, it's a bet. Shake! The others watched with excitement while the two boys shook hands. How will I know you really came in? asked Christopher. I mean, we'll watch from the garden, but you might just hide inside the door. Jeff snatched a coloured handkerchief from Dawn's blazer pocket and threw it into the cellar. If I come back tonight and go down into the cellar and bring back that handkerchief which Dawn will recognise as hers, I'll win the bet. OK? Fair enough, agreed Christopher. Let's meet at nine o'clock. With relief, the children filed back into the kitchen. Christopher was the last to leave. When he was alone, he turned back the front door lock and flipped on the catch. Careful not to be seen, the children sneaked out of the garden. They need not have worried, though. 
The avenue was still deserted. Be seeing you then, nine o'clock, said Jeff. He went off with some of the other children, while Christopher stayed outside the gate with his particular mates. Listen, he said. Old Jeff's too full of himself. I've got an idea. Nine o'clock had just told from the nearby church tower when Jeff entered the garden of Hillsdale, and thanks to it being a clear night, found his way round to the back of the house. The wind was cold and he wore his anorak. In his hand, he held a small electric torch. Anyone there? He called in a low voice. Several figures appeared from the shadow of a weeping willow. Hello, hissed Christopher. I'm glad it's you and not me that's going in there. If you want to, we'll call it off. No one would blame you. Trying to put the frighteners on me, laughed Jeff. Check your watches, gentlemen. I shall be back in ten minutes with Dawn's handkerchief. Why don't you change your mind, asked Christopher in a worried tone. It'll be on my conscience for the rest of my life if the ghost strangles you with her bony fingers. <laughs> it's no good, Chris, said Jeff with another laugh. You just have your fiver ready. A moment later, he entered the house through the kitchen door. Five quid. Inside the dark kitchen, Jeff took a folded sheet from under his anorak and hung it over himself, adjusting it so that he could see out of the eye holes he had cut. It had been jolly good at dawn to phone him with a warning that Chris planned to dress up as the ghost to scare him. She had thought it was very unfair, but Jeff decided to turn the tables on Chris when he crept into the house through the front door. He switched on his torch and found his way to the cellar entrance. He decided he might as well collect the handkerchief and descended the steps carefully. The beam of his torch playing on piles of dusty junk. In one corner of the cellar, someone had been digging a long time ago, probably to mend a water pipe. Jeff bet that it was that hole which had inspired the ridiculous story. He picked up Dawn's handkerchief and then switched off the torch to wait for Christopher in the dark. As soon as Jeff had vanished into the house, Christopher's friends draped him in a torn white curtain which his mother had thrown out. This'll teach old Jeff, someone said as he poured a bottle of red ink down the material. I still think it's mean, protested Dawn. I think you're getting soppy over him, teased Christopher. Isn't that well, right, Mavis? Henderson. Mavis giggled. Pretty good. Okay, British, British here accents. I go. The Phantom of Hillsdale, whispered Christopher. His white form faded away as he hurried round to the front door, where he silently let himself in. There really is a ghost in there! In the shadowy back garden, the children's eyes widened with alarm as Christopher came blundering round the side of the house. I, I, I saw it, he gasped. When I made up the story, I never thought that... For goodness sake, calm down and tell us what happened, Dawn said. Well, I, 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 I got in all right, he stammered. I haven't got a torch, so I had a box of matches. I lit one and had gone quite a way before it burnt my fingers. I was just lighting the next one when... His voice trembled. When I, I saw a sort of whitish shape, it was floating towards me. It, it reached out with its arms. And what happened then? Asked Mavis. I threw off my curtain and bolted. Luckily, the front door was open. I can still see it. It was ghastly. The others looked anxiously at the house, half expecting to see a spectre glide towards them. Suddenly, Christopher gave an exclamation of horror. <gasps> Jeff's still in there, he cried. We must get him out. I'm not going in, said the boy. Let's shout from here. He'll not hear us if he's in the cellar, said Christopher. He swallowed hard. It's down to me to warn him, he muttered and took a step towards the house. Dawn burst into a peal of laughter. Serve you right, Chris. What you saw was Jeff. I thought your plan was so mean I rang him up and warned him. He said he'd double trick you by pretending to be a spook. He had a sheet under his anorak. Christopher gave a sigh of relief and slumped onto a lichened garden seat. Oh, thank goodness, he breathed. I won't even mind handing over a fiver. I'll tell you, I've never been so scared. He glanced at his watch. 
He'll be out in five minutes. Then what say we go downtown and have a McDonald's? That's the best idea you've had today. The children settled down to wait. Jeff was getting bored in the cellar. He switched on the torch briefly and his watch told him that he'd been lurking there for five minutes. Seemed more like half an hour. When would that silly Chris come? Ah, there was something. He looked up and saw a vague, glimmering figure slowly descend the steps. Uttering a banshee wail, Jeff jumped into the centre of the floor where Christopher would be able to see him in the faint light from the doorway. To Jeff's disappointment, Christopher did not turn tail. All right, Chris, he said. I reckon we're quits. But with arms outstretched, the pale figure floated towards him. There you have it. Spooky house. Spooky house. Till we meet again, sleep tight.